and welcome to the spooky tales of the Pacific Northwest and beyond. This is Jennifer. So this episode is going to be a little bit different than the rest. Um, I have decided that kind of I've managed to big episodes are going to be every other week. And um, in the interim, I will do an episode like this, which is I have pulled um, some stories, some paranormal stories off of Reddit to read so everybody else can listen to them and hear them as well. Um, and then on Sunday, I will be doing a normal episode. Um, this is another encouragement to please send me any paranormal or spooky or just out of this world wild tale you can possibly tell to um spooky pod at gmail.com i do prefer the email um it just makes everything easier um you can also send stories to you can dm me on um the instagram at spooky pnw podcast i uh, yeah so yeah that's all that i really have for housekeeping i'll, I'll talk about some other things at the end of this but for our first tale, it is um, titled Haunted Cabin in Henry's Lake, Idaho, question mark. And it is um, written by P.T. Rusha. Um, and this is their tale. Uh, so this is this will be them speaking as I'm telling this tale is in first person. Um, so we were on our trip to Yellowstone from California. We were a group of seven adults and we took flight to, we took a flight to fly to Salt Lake City, Utah, and then drove up to Henry Lake, Idaho, where we had booked a cabin. We reached the cabin at around 5 p.m. on the first day. This was a huge cabin with a living room, kitchen, master bedroom, and dining room downstairs with a set of chairs on each side to go upstairs. Oh, sorry. A set of stairs, not chairs on each side to go up the stairs. Also, there was an entrance into a the kitchen as well as a landing outside the master bedroom. From outside, a part from the main entrance that ended in a living room. Um, there were about four bedrooms and three bathrooms upstairs. A very old and rustic looking cabin. We didn't feel anything during that evening. However, night felt very eerie. Me and my husband slept in one of the bedrooms. One of the other couples used the master bedroom downstairs while another one took the master bedroom upstairs. That was a little further down the hallway from our room. The only single guy in the group took the bedroom next to us. So on our first night there, we, were all, we all went to our respective rooms at around 11 p.m. since we had plans to leave early for Yellowstone the next day. Me and my husband both fell asleep as soon as we hit the bed. I don't know what time it was, but I suddenly woke up with a scream. At the same time, my husband woke up with a scream too. While I have had nightmares in the past where I would cry in my sleep, but while I, sorry, while I have had nightmares in the past where I would cry in my sleep, but it was the first time that I screamed. And I do remember not having any dreams or nightmares that night. My husband has never, ever had any nightmares, so it was very unusual for him to wake up that night. The guy in the next room was on the phone talking to someone, and he heard our screams and came to check on us. We assured him of being okay. We all, again, went to bed, but I kept having weird feelings through the night. 
and I was unable to sleep until I saw the sunlight coming in through the window. We all woke up at around 9 a.m. and were discussing the incident. The other two couples were unaware of it, but they did mention hearing random footsteps throughout the night. And we were, we were there for five days and we didn't experience any other event for the rest of the stay. But the cabin gave out significant negative energy and no, no one of us would like, would like to stay in that cabin again. We would leave early morning and come back late at night. Haven't had any other experience ever since. I don't like waking up with nightmares. And I certainly don't like waking myself up screaming either. It's never fun. Captain underscore rum drunk has titled his story or their story, excuse me, forest quote and in, in quotations, mimic demon in Washington, a camping story. Um, I've been an avid camper most of my life. More than, more than that, I actually lived in the Wyoming wilderness for almost two years as a child in a house on a nature preserve. That's cool. A place where electricity was only available by generator and we had to boil water that me and my siblings carried up from the creek. That's not cool. All of this before I was even 10 years old. If there were emergencies, it would, at least, it would be at least an hour before we could get to help or help could get to us. I've hunted dangerous game, not particularly proud of it, but it happened. And seeing some weird shit in the desert. So when oops, so when I say that I will not venture into the woods of the Cascadia mountain range alone, it's important to know that the wilderness doesn't frighten me easily. I was 21, I was 23 years old when a friend of mine, we'll call him Darren, all names are alt altered in this particular story, um, invited me to a camping trip. The site was a place a few miles up a logging road. If anybody's ever been to Washington or into the mountains or anything like that, there are shit tons of logging roads everywhere. So about an hour long hike from an already back road as fuck back road, case in point, it was just me, Darren and his good friend, Wade place was from the logging road about 10 minutes down the trail. The moment we got to the site, I was excited. The small lake was beautiful, barely touched by people over the years. There's a lot of areas like that in Washington. It also comforted me, comforted me somewhat when we got there to see that within the last month, at least somebody else had camped out there. There was extra wood by the fire pit. We ate a bunch of chili and hot dogs. Gross. But around dusk, the guys went off into the woods and came back with a sealed bucket they had buried the year before. We opened it up to get some of the MREs they stored in their cache. It was looking to be one of the better camping trips I've had in my adult life. That night was a bit different. For the first time in my life, I felt an uneasiness sleeping in my tent. I couldn't quite place it, chalked it up to not being a, not being used to camping without my dad. Darren brought his 38 special for protection from predators, but he was the only one armed. The next day it rained as it do in the P and W and we, they're not lying. It rains all the fucking time here. Um, and we tried to wait it out, but eventually called it quits, packed up and went home. Fast forward to the next year, me and Darren get the itch to go camping again, and I wanted to give that, that, that site another shot. I spent a great deal of effort convincing a bunch of my friends to tag along. In the end, it wound up being six of us and a big white German Shepherd. Me, Darren, Wade, James, Charles, and Rita, James's girlfriend, and Moogie the dog. Knowing about the uneasiness felt the last time, I brought my 12-gauge. 
James wanted to get some unregulated target practice in, shooting, shooting shit they don't allow at official gun ranges like full cans and gallon chugs. They sound like boys from my town. <laughs> like, honestly. We also brought a quad with us this time so we could haul a bunch of extra water, booze, and other supplies to make our weekend more comfortable. The first day, as we're setting up, we hear a loudspeaker playing some music by the south end of the lake, which was basically right next to the logging room, and this is your could be seen from the road unlike the year prior. Oh, they had a typo, sorry. And this you could be this you could be seen from the road unlike the year prior. So deciding we're big dick Americans, me and James saunter down to meet the source of the noise pollution. Now I have to commend the coolness of the cop that was just having a fishing trip <laughs> when two large armed men, me with my 12 gauge, James with his 308, his 308, that's a big gun, um, emerged from the tree line. We introduced ourselves, mentioned that the others, the others, but not exactly where we were camping, just that it was nearby. That's when shit started getting creepy. It could just be, it could have just been cops doing cop shit, but this guy really wanted to know exactly where we were going to be going to be then he would then he mentioned his favorite part then he mentioned his favorite spots nearby and really really wanted us to try this other spot two more miles down the logging road at a point it was almost like he was suggesting that the only spot where we couldn't be in trouble that it was the only spot that we couldn't be in trouble darren showed up finally told us that we spoke to the landowner several years ago and they were fine with us being here the cop was mad, but we lied and said we'd check out the site he was pushing. None of us trusted the guy when we left, so we decided not to go. Smart move. It was like a horror movie setup. The whole shady cop tells us to go to the spot where his hillbilly friends are going to kidnap us kind of vibe. So we move on pretty early, pretty early in the day. So we set up our stuff, get a fire going, float around on our giant four-person inflatable chair boat thing. Such a redneck thing to do. Biggest highlight of the day, Charles cut down an entire dead tree with nothing but a small axe, like the midway point between a hatchet and a fireman's axe. Oh my God. They really do sound like boys from my town. Boys I actually went to school with. An impressive feat of stamina and strength. It was a good day leading into a good night, but after, right after it got dark, I, f I felt uneasy again. The first thing that worried me was a couple of us heard something big splash on the far side of the lake. We thought maybe it was Moogie, but he was by the fire. His head now perked up and looking in the direction of the splash. Since we were drunk, we thought maybe the floaty thing might be compromised. So we went down with flashlights to pull it out of the water and onto the bank. Then we heard the owl. They have owl in quotation marks. Charles weighed and Darren were already passed out by midnight. Rita was humming along by the fireplace with Moogie, and me and James were out getting some wood, some more wood so the fire would last. We heard an, an owl start up its hooting, a cadence I was familiar with in the area, but something was off about it. I have a gift for mimicking bird noises, so what I noticed immediately is the ending hoot was off. Almost always sounds like the owl is rolling its R's as the final hoot of the sequence goes. James, sorry, I just choked on my spit. Hold on, let me get some, let me get some drinks of my coffee. James, not nearly as outdoorsy as me, says that almost just sounds like a person. We joke, listen to it a couple more times, and then I do my own attempt at an owl noise. Silence. 
for a few minutes. Just as I was thinking, just as I am thinking that makes sense because of the noise, it starts up again. Not just one owl. Another started up about half a second after the first. The new owl sounding more like an actual owl than the first one that seemed to have started up again. And after the first hoot from real owl, the fake one stopped short. Did that owl just tell the other owl to shut up? LOL, James says to me. I decide to shout, better listen to your wife, dude. Immediately after I shout, we both hear a loud crashing, almost identical to the sound of the tree falling that Charles did earlier that day. Moogie starts to go fucking berserk, barking and growling. He had a stink gland issue at this point, so he was releasing that nastiness. Oh, gross. (laughs) Gland issues on a dog are disgusting. He was threatened, and luckily Rita was there to keep him from bolting. Big as he was, if he really wanted to move, she wouldn't be much of an obstacle, which is true. German Shepherds are enormous, and they don't, if they want, if they really want to leave, they're going to leave. And I about shit my pants out of fear. I will reiterate for a fact. I have hunted mountain lions and bears in my life, and at no point during those hunts was I as shaken and genuinely afraid as this. I was paralyzed for like an entire minute. Whoever that is, you better fuck off. We have plenty of guns. I shout across the lake. Silence again. Luckily for the rest of the night. I didn't fall asleep until Darren woke up, basically at sunrise. So I missed breakfast and a morning dunk in the lake while the others... And a morning dunk in the lake the others all did before I got up needing to poo really bad. I had already... Sorry. James had already explained the noises to the others by the time we were all ready for our different adventures. Darren, Wade, and Rita just wanted to listen to the radio and chill. Mukia had run off just after lunch, and we decided to go look for him while also investigating the area of the noises last night. Almost immediately when we get to the other side of the lake, the hair stands up on the back of my neck. Charles also feels creeped out, but he had an axe, I had a shotgun, and James had his rifle, and his forty-five was holstered at his hip. So we pressed onward looking for probably a couple hours. I was mainly trying to see if we could spot any trees that had fallen. Then we made it to the eastern bank of the lake. We were camped on the western side. Holy shit, Charles says, causing me and James to come rushing over. There we saw what looked like a human footprint. Just one. But it was very clearly a footprint in the mud. Even had a little pool of water still in it. My first thought was Bigfoot. So I took off my boot and compared sizes. (laughs) I am a huge guy with pretty large feet, so I wasn't surprised that my clod hoppers dwarfed this footprint when I put my own print next to it, down next to it. Honestly, I would probably do the same thing. But what was weird was the other print where the pea toe would be looked like another big toe was there instead. We also found several down trees, but none that looked recent. So we decided to go around the north of the lake and back to the others, doing a full circle. Moogie was fine. As soon as food smells filled the air, he came running back. And we all had a pretty good day again, drinking, feasting, and making fun of each other for being paranoid, as they do. We heard some gunshots a little close, and then called out a warning out to warn the shooters that there were people and animals nearby. The shooters of us actually went to meet the people, and all of us but Darren and Wade joined the old guy and his wife shooting at whatever we could. Part of me consciously thought anything that was lurking around sure as fuck isn't now. Boy, was I wrong. A brief mention about Charles. Ever since we were kids, Charles has had vivid night night terrors. Most of the time, funny. Some of the time, scary. He'd full-on sleepwalk and have conversations with you while still sleeping. 
we had all gone to bed and I had, I was one of the first due to getting like four hours of sleep and being quite rum drunk. Hey, who's that? Captain, stay in your tent. Charles, who was sleeping on a tarp by the fire instead of in a tent, started shouting. I shot up, grabbed the shotgun, and turned on my flashlight. What's wrong? I shout, adrenaline filling my entire existence. I could feel my heart pounding in my ears. Come closer to the fire. No, don't crouch down, motherfucker. Use your words. He keeps shouting, finally stirring awake James and Rita, who were in the tent closest to Charles. What the fuck? James calls out. Moogie starts growling and apparently let off the stink gland again in their tent because him and Rita are like, ugh, Moog, gross. There's somebody sneaking up on Captain's tent. Get out here. I start to unzip my tent. No, not, not you, Captain. Stay in there. He's right next to you. Everybody else to this day denies hearing this, but I swear I heard something whisper, Captain, before hearing a twig crunch right outside my tent. That's fucking creepy. And I just kind of creeped myself out because I whispered, Captain. James makes it out of his tent and seconds later I hear him laughing. It's just the water stump. Charles is just having a night terror. Charles claimed he wasn't dreaming. and But when I got out and shined the light on the stump, he agreed that it had to be it. We put one of those big jugs of water on top of the stump. It could easily be mistaken for a white shirt standing in the dark. Satisfied that there wasn't actually anything there. Despite my protests, we all went back to bed. Charles stayed in the tent for the rest of the night. I decided to spend the rest of the night on watch. That was one, if not the most, terrifying nights of my life. I've I heard more activity in those word, woods than I have ever heard before. Moogie would wake up and borf a few a multiple times. I don't know if anybody knows what a borf sounds like, but it's like a boof. Multiple times as I'd hear twigs snapping off in the trees. Then I had then I heard a really big snap that had to have only been about 10 feet away. I jumped to my feet, whipped over to where the noise was, and shined my light. I've seen enough deer ass in my life to know what I saw running from me. What is not normal of a deer, however, is they don't stand the fuck up and run on their back legs. Moogie howled and snarled. I took aim, letting my light drop, and fired. I didn't care that it turned to run. I fucking unloaded. Boom after boom after boom until I ran out of all six shells I had loaded. Everyone else was freaking the fuck out and rushed out of their tents. I told them what happened and nobody went back to bed until morning. Nothing else happened that night. I think Moogie refused to leave me, to leave the tent was what allowed the others to take me seriously enough. He was a brave dog, sweet, but if mean dogs fucked with him at the park, he knew how to throw down. The last thing that happened on that last day... Darren and Wade went to go bury the bucket after putting some fresh new supplies in it. They had always known where the cache was buried because there was a different stump that they used as a landmark. That stump was just gone. It was there when we retrieved the cache two days prior, but now it was vanished. No signs of it being uprooted or dragged or disturbed. It simply was as though it never existed. We all thought we made a mistake and we found until we found the hole for the bucket Still dug and with a little poncho stuffed in it. Well, I'm never coming back here now, so we may as well take this with us, Darren said, and we all left after lunch. That is why I will never even go hiking in the Cascade Wilderness without a firearm and at least two other people who know how to use them. Dude, I don't blame you because I do not go in the woods by myself in Washington. I live on the Olympic Peninsula and it is fucking vast. And it is densely forested. I mean, literally, I'm going to tell you right now, I live in Clallam County and there are literally 
Clown County has literally three towns and two congested areas. Like that's that literally Clown County is just packed with trees and some farmland and stuff, but mostly trees. And there are some shit in there that we don't know what it is. And it it has got to be frightening. And I know like people who go and pick mushrooms and brush and stuff like that, who have literally said that they have heard things and see things, seen things in the trees in Washington state in, in the Olympic, on the Olympic peninsula that they can't explain. So this story, I totally get it. I'd get it. I get it. Like, no, I don't, I, I, I don't fuck with, with the woods by myself, especially at nighttime. No, thank you. Mm-mm. No. Oh, that was kind of, that was a fucking creepy ass story. Okay. Next story. Ned Verb writes, interesting encounter in Michigan forest. This is a true story that happened when I was 16, maybe 17 in the woods in Leelanau County, Michigan. I was on vacation with family in northern Michigan when we visited a family friend who had lived in the center of the county in a dense forest. I remember when we pulled up up the road, the house was on a gravel road instead of a paved road. I remember looking down the gravel road and seeing it go down a hill and turn to the left in the forest. A few hours passed by and I decided to go and check out where the gravel road went. I remember being extremely nervous because we were in black bear country as I grew up in the suburbs of Chicago and never experienced bears before. You do kind of have to be careful when you're out in the woods about for black bears. They're chickens and you can probably scare them away most of the time, but they are bears and they are unpredictable. So please be careful if you're ever out in the woods and it's bear country and it's bear season. So please be careful of bears. When I had gotten to the top of the hill, I remember hearing birds chirping and lots of frogs croaking. The forest felt alive and I did not feel terribly unsafe, only nervous because of the possible presence of bears. As I started walking down the hill, I started whistling the Hunger Games four-tone whistle. Don't whistle. As I got midway down the hill, I noticed that the birds and the frogs stopped making noise and the forest fell silent. At this point, my instinct kicked in and I knew something was wrong. I remember learning that the forest goes silent when there's a predator around, yet I still kept on going down that hill. I was determined to know what was the bottom, what was at the bottom of the hill. I was still whistling the same four-tone whistle when I heard something whistle it back perfectly. It made the same exact sound that I made. It sounded very oddly humanoid, like there was a person watching me, a predator. I remember being frozen in fear just staring at the area of forest that it came out of before turning around and walking back up the hill. Dude, I would have been fucking sprinting. When the house came into view, again, I sprinted until I got inside and I did not leave anyone's eyesight for the rest of the night. Since then, I have not had any encounters like this and have never been back to the area. I don't know if it was something paranormal or an actual person watching me. Both equally terrify me to this day. If anyone knows any legends from North Northern Michigan, Leelanau County, Michigan, please let me know. That's pretty fucking creepy, dude. Add administrative 2340, which is a really weird username, by the way, writes, I will never forget. Felt like a scene out of a thriller movie. I was in sophomore year of high school. 21 now. I've always been interested in the paranormal and being a naive, curious teenager, my friend, we'll call him Jay. And I decided to buy a Ouija board. Can't be that serious, right? Don't buy fucking Ouija boards, dude, if you don't know anything about them. I Ouija boards aren't allowed in my house. 
You never know what the fuck those things are going to bring in. Maybe one of these days I'll do an episode about Ouija boards. Um, it's just a board with letters and numbers written on it. Everyone says it's fake anyway, but I wanted to see for myself. Plus, we were bored and wanted something to do. So we got the board and tried to make contact three to four times on different nights. We waited like an hour each time and asked questions and even lit candles for the full effect. Nothing. Nothing happened. And I was starting to doubt it more after each attempt. So one night, Jay's little cousin, L and my other friend, T, and I decided to play the game in Jay's room. Nothing out of the ordinary was happening, happening so Jay and T started to move the planchette on purpose to mess with L. L was a seven or nine-year-old child and truly believed that ghosts were controlling the planchette. These are fucking rude, <laughs> but absolutely on par with your age. Jay and T got poured and sat across the room to watch videos and talked about whether they were talking whatever they were talking about at the time. So just Elle and I were playing at this point. I asked questions, waiting for a response, but also not expecting anything. Ugh, my heart is beating so fast typing this out. I felt a tug, a slow but forceful tug from the planchette. You know the feeling of a wind against your hand out of a car window? It was similar to that. It was a force I could feel. It was an instant, invisible pressure that was suddenly guiding the planchette. I remember looking at her I remember looking at her fingers slightly hover and skim the planchette as it was moving towards. Yes, we were barely touching it. My thoughts seemed to slow as I could barely process what was happening. Before it even got to yes, I took my hands off the planchette and she did the same. And what I have in front of me is a planchette shanking on the board. My heart was beating out of my chest. I fold the board with a planchette in it and quickly put it in a box. I'm holding the lid down as it's rattling in the box until it stopped. It all happened so fast, too fast for me to even vocally react. I look over at my friends and I'm like, did you guys see that? I had a shakiness in my voice. I could barely speak. My limbs felt weak. They instantly dismissed it and accused me of bullshit. They weren't paying attention to us. I asked Elle if she saw that and she nodded yes and said, mm-hmm, in a little voice. I couldn't sleep when I got home. I was paranoid something was about. I talked about it more with my friends and they didn't take me seriously and never believed me. It's made me question my reality and if that actually happened. I wonder if I hallucinated it, but I don't think I did. I've never hallucinated besides sleep paralysis and the little girl saw it too. So anyway, life moved on and I still don't have a reasonable explanation for that. And I will always wonder about it. I kind of wish I could talk to Elle about it to see if she remembers. But I feel like that would be weird since it was so long ago and I'm not friends with Jay anymore. I guess I'll have to accept it's just a memory that lives in a mystery, as a mystery inside my head. And that's our final story. Um, stories from Reddit, paranormal stories from Reddit. I'm going to try to make sure that at least one of them is from the Pacific Northwest. And, you know, the rest of them will be from wherever, you know, it doesn't matter. Um, most of these, like, you as with any kind of stories or tales like this, like you have to take it with however, whatever you want to. It is on an anonymous form. Reddit is anonymous and you can write whatever you want on the internet. Um, I choose to believe them. I choose that everybody who writes one of these stories, unless it's blatantly um, fiction, you can, they've had these experiences and they're terrifying and scary. Like the Cascade Forest one was, was scary. Like that one scared me. It gave me goose pimples. Um, so yeah, so Reddit stories, probably Wednesdays or Thursdays. 
um, in between normal episodes. Um, I am going to start restructuring a little bit how the podcast is and what we're what I'm going to be doing on the podcast. Um, so be watch out for that. Um, yeah. So welcome to our first paranormal Reddit story read. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed it. You are more than welcome to come back. Um, you can pretty much hear us on wherever you hear, you listen to your podcasts. Um, you can send me any of your weird, creepy, paranormal, scary stories at spookypnwpod at gmail.com or at spookypnwpodcast on Instagram. Um, yeah, I hope you enjoyed it and I hope you stick around. Keep it spooky, keep it weird, but not too weird. Thanks. Have a good weekend.